So we've got a fun module and it's called Leading with God. So it's going to be um, the few topics that we cover, like each week there'll be one topic under this kind of heading. Um, and so tonight I have the honour of talking to you about intimacy, which is, um, you know, it's a bit of a catchword really, especially in this season at the moment in the body of Christ. Um, and I think for me, um, I like to simplify and I guess you could say some topics I like to really demystify because I feel like some things are being put on a pedestal and it's for the special few and that's not the truth of the gospel of the kingdom at all. There's an invitation for all of us into intimacy. It's, and so I thought, okay, well, let's look at the def- definition of it and it is simply this. It is close familiarity or fellowship, nearness in friendship. As simple as that. It's no, it's nothing unobtainable unless you don't want it. But it's something that um, is for every single person on the face of the earth. And so um, we're actually designed for it in our natural body. We're designed for intimacy and by our nature, our I guess, humanity, we are designed for intimacy. And I was thinking about it as like even our five senses are designed for intimacy to connect us with the world. And then we have the five spiritual senses, which are basically the duplicated of the natural senses, but we have them that operate in the spiritual. And that's designed for an intimacy into the spiritual realm of things. So gift of discernment of spirits, I feel, I see, I hear. It's so I can know what's going on around me in the spirit realm so I can connect with it or I can rebuke it or I can deal with it. And those are very often the same senses that we connect with God with. Yet I can hug a friend. So we're going to look tonight at intimacy with God, but we're going to look at intimacy with people. And I remember it was not long after I first started at Paradox and Amy Talbot, who ministered the last couple of weeks, she was speaking on a Sunday morning and she said, we have a vertical relationship and we have horizontal relationships. So it's talking about relationship with the Lord and relationship with people. And they're both important. And quite often we're good at one and suck at the other. And sometimes that can flip. And so, but but what God, wholeness, maturity and all that is that we actually get um, healthy in both. It's with people and it's with the Lord. Yeah. So, um, and the beautiful thing I love about intimacy is actually endless. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. If you've been married um, for a long time, for you know a month or a long time, you actually never get to the end of knowing each other. You never actually get to the end of knowing yourself, and you'll never get to the end of knowing God. And so I see, even in us, there is an infinite aspect of us as humans, because we are made in the image of God. And so, just like He is infinite, there's a part of us that is infinite as well. So you've got no excuse to go, oh, I know them. I've, known, I've learnt all I can about them because it's not true. It's impossible to learn everything about someone. If you can do that about yourself, let me know because um, 
been doing this a while and I'm still figuring, not figuring out who I am, but I'm still learning things about myself all the time. As um, the Lord heals aspects of my heart, there's even more chambers and rooms and mansions of my own heart that are being opened up to me. And I'm like, oh, wow, I never knew I hated that. Oh, wow, I didn't know I liked that. (laughs) But it's quite amazing how the Lord heals your heart and you discover way more about yourself. Okay, so first of all, we're going to talk about intimacy with God. And so John 10 verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so there's something in there that says he that we are actually able to hear him. He's designed it so we can hear him. And it might not necessarily be like I'm having a physical conversation with you, but with our senses, those spiritual senses I was talking about, with um, how we engage with what's going on around us, even with creation, um, we can see his uh, glory in it. We can see his manifold wisdom in it. He's always talking to us. And I don't know if you've noticed, but his voice is gentle and kind. Even when he's correcting you, when he's going, you shouldn't have done that, I told you not to. His correction, even though it feels firm, it still feels kind and it still feels caring and it still has nurture in it. I've never, I mean, I've, I've stuffed up, but I've never once had him like come down on me like a ton of bricks. He's never been harsh with me. He's always been, he, there's been times when he's spoken firmly to me, but he will give me an instruction way firmer than what he corrects me. His voice is way firmer when he gives me an instruction sometimes than what it is when he's correcting me. And so in that, we can just know that he is a safe place and a safe voice to listen to. And this is just a freebie. Whenever you feel drive, whenever you feel push, whenever you feel condemnation, um, it's not him. It is never him. He never talks like that. He doesn't. Um, One of the biggest lessons I learned probably 10 years ago or so was when there's a deadline, but it's like, you've got to do it now, 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 now. And you only just found out about it. That's not God. And he does not operate like that. His kingdom does not operate like that. When Even when there's a suddenly, there's been a lead up to the suddenly. There's been inklings. There's been little things he's turned your attention towards. So when the suddenly comes, you're ready to step straight into it because the suddenly is just an invitation. But it was brewing along the way. So that wasn't even on my nose, but yeah. Okay. (laughs) So um, in John 15, 15, it says, uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples um, and he says, no longer are you called a servant, but I call you a friend. And so you can see the relationship has flipped. We're not a slave to him in the sense of he's a cruel taskmaster. Um, Some scripture says, like, I'm a love slave to him because I just love him with my whole heart and he can tell me whatever (laughs) kind of thing. But it's actually, there's this shift that happens from being a servant to being a friend and the way you treat us the way you talk to a a servant the way you bring them into your circle of um connection uh 
information you give them is different to what you would tell a friend. Okay? And so that's what he was saying. He was saying, I'm bringing you in to hear my heart more. I'm not just giving you... So a servant will get instructions. A friend will get the story of why there's instructions even. They get the backstory. And I love that part of my relationship with him. <laughs> um, and I was just going to quickly look at um, the Song of Solomon. The Book of Song of Solomons, I think, is one of the most stunning pictures of this maturing love, this growing intimacy with the Lord. Because at the beginning, we see um, the Shulamite woman who's come in and she's just figuring it out. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's even like, why am I, why would he even consider me? It says, um, don't look upon me for I'm dark but lovely, you know, don't scorn me because my brothers had me working out in the sun at the heat of, in the the heat of the day. And so at the beginning you see she's immature. And in verse um in chapter one, verse seven, she asks him, Where do you feed the flock? Where do you lead your beloved ones to rest in the heat of the day? And then from a, a verse eight to eleven, he's he starts this small sentence, I think it was, um, affirming her beauty. And then he says, oh, it's okay. Just follow the ones that know the way. Like they will show you the way because they're mature, more mature. They've been there longer. So, And then he goes back to reaffirming her beauty. And it's, um, it's not her inward beauty. It's actually her physical beauty he is affirming. And... Uh, I think it's something I hadn't really noticed before. I was looking at this. But then you go to the end of the book, chapter 8, and verses 5 to 7, and I'm going to read it to you because it's like it's a totally different kind of language that he uses in conversation. Hang on. So I love the Passion Translation when it comes to the Song of Solomon's too. It's stunning. All right, so this is verse 5 to 7. Oh, no, sorry. Um, yeah. Hang on. Go further. Further, further. Oh, no. Okay. So this is the king, the bridegroom king talking to her now. So this is the last, this is the end of the book. This is maturity. And he says, who is this one? She arises out of her, des her desert, not the desert, it's her desert. It's talking about her state of being. Um, clinging to her beloved. So she's discovered him and she's now not letting him go. Um, when I awakened you under the apple tree as you were feasting upon me, I, wake, I awakened your innermost being with the travail of birth as you longed for more of me. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as a prisoner of my love. My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all-consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you. 
everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. Man, what a language shift, hey? That's what maturity, that's what intimacy looks like. It's what it sounds like. It's what it feels like. Could you just even feel the anointing on that as I was reading it? It was like there's something in it. The way he speaks to you when you're new Christian, baby Christian, to when you're mature is totally different. It's, and it's, stun- it's actually quite stunning. It's awesome. And so now he's not just talking to her about a outward beauty. He's now talking to her inward beauty. It's just an absolute shift. And it's a character, because now a character has been cultivated that can actually hold the weight of the conversation. Because following Christ will cost you everything. It is lay down your cause, pick up your cross daily and follow me. It's um, don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's for the power of, uh, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Like everything shifts in that intimacy. And I think it's beautiful to understand um, we can look at others and we can think, oh, I want that level of intimacy with God. Or, wow, they're amazing. But it costs them a lot to get there. And I can't walk in someone else's shoes to get what they got because everyone's life circumstances are different. And so we all endure life. There's pain, there's joy, there's delight, there's I have no clue what's going on. There's mystery, you know. There's all these things, but what it looks like in my life is different to what it looks like in Ali's life or in Kevin's or Jess's. You know, like it looks different. And so it cultivates similar fruit but slightly different. And so I really encourage you to never look at someone else and go, oh, I... That's, I'm not enough. Like, I want that and I'm not enough. Like, a comparison thing, don't do it. It's just not worth it because you actually rob yourself of the gold you have and on the path that the Lord has you on because he wants to grow intimacy in you, in each person. He wants to grow maturity in each person. Um. And intimacy builds over time through life. It's not a instant fix. It's not a. Um, it's not even a one-year plan. <laughs> oh, if it was so. <laughs> but it's not a one-year plan. It's a lifelong adventure, and it's the consistency of coming, pulling, drawing aside to him, spending time with him doing the seasons with him, not running away from him, but coming back to him every time. It's the consistency of that is actually what cultivates intimacy. Um, it cultivates character, a lot of character. Um, and it actually requires just patience and um, kindness on yourself that, yeah, yeah we're all not going to get it right some days and that's okay because... Neither did the Shulamite woman. She still got there. So there's hope for us all. (laughs) 
Yeah. So when we look at Jesus, we can see in uh, Luke 2 verse 52 that it says he grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. And that's a beautiful thing about when you cultivate intimacy with the Lord and you get a consistency, it becomes like it carries a greater weight as such. And you can feel somewhat like it. I'm just going to go by what it feels like because this is what it feels for me when I encounter someone who is mature and stable in the Lord. I, when I come up near them, I feel a solidness. It feels like if I went push, they wouldn't go anywhere. They're just like, they'd still be there. Like, yeah, and? And it's not, they're not moved by it. They're not rocked by it. They're just solid. And it's, it's beautiful. And then when, with Jesus, you can see like he grew in favour with God and man. He, he attended to his intimacy with the Lord but as he was studious in the temple, when he was serving his family, when he was with his friends, um, the intimacy of God flows over into the intimacy of your life with other people. And it actually becomes recognized. You start, it's like, it's not like the Lord goes, I promote you, but it's like suddenly there's a favor on you. Things just, it's like a promotion that just happens naturally without even trying. And um, I'm going to give a little story of that. So when I came to Paradox, uh, I'd been a Christian, I don't know, 25 years or something. Anyway, um, and I had diligently pursued the Lord. But my area of where I sucked was horizontal with people. I loved, I loved people and I had friends, but I didn't, I'd been hurt a lot by people. And so I struggled to relate really well unless you were prophetic because it actually didn't rely on me having good people skills sometimes. <laughs> no, but um I just been I just been so hurt by people and misunderstood. Like that was one of my things is I always felt misunderstood. And it wasn't that my heart, I had a heart for people. I just wasn't great at it um, because of wounding and pain and stuff. And so when I came here, um, oh, I was just so grateful to be in a house that just worshipped, abandoned to God. And it just started my heart just healing. It was like, oh, I can breathe in this space. Oh, I can, I can connect with you, Lord, and I don't have to sit down after 10 minutes. I can, you know, I can be extravagant physically in my worship. I can, like, I can spin. I can whatever. People wouldn't have noticed, I'll tell you what. It was <laughs> some pretty amazing worship sets there. But shortly after that, and I started connecting with people, and this community, I felt safe. And it was like I noticed it straight away. I felt safe. And then what that did was it started to draw my pain out. And I still remember driving to Paradox on some Sunday mornings and saying to Ian, it just feels so good to be too good to be true. Like, and is this just going to blow up in our face? And I'm sure I wasn't the only one that felt that over the years. Is it going to blow up in my face or, or what? You know, because I was trying to compute it. And then it would be another amazing Sunday. And then I would... Um, 
I got to the point of where it actually became scary of just how much of my pain was being drawn out. And for everyone to see, not in an embarrassing way, but it's like when you're in a safe place and you can breathe and you can relax and you can love the Lord openly, it's like your heart just goes, oh, I've been hanging on to this forever. And it was like as that pain started to get drawn out, I got scared because I didn't even know what to do with my pain and let alone how are other people going to respond to it. Um, and so I still, another time, I still remember going, I am not running away, I am leaning in. And I would actually say that as on my way to church. I am not running away, I'm leaning in. No matter how scared I get, I am still choosing to open my heart to people. And it probably it didn't take a ton of time of just even going, no, I'm refusing to back down from this, that it actually became like a flood of my heart just opened up and it was, it was like a balloon popping as such and it was just like, oh, this is so much better and da-da-da-da-da. And then, you know, I got to experience some beautiful prayer ministry and then I tell you what, the favour that the Lord had been storing up for me for years started to blossom really fast and... Like I've only, I have, I say this not as a, a boasting or anything, but I think it still stuns me and it shocks me. I have been here, I think, seven years, if that. I don't think it's quite seven years. I am honoured to be one of the pastors in this community. I'm honoured to pastor and oversee the worship and the prayer in this place in seven years. Like, I'm just, I sit there, and I mean, I've been in this role for a couple of years now, but I just sit there and I'm like going, that's the favour of God. It's favour with God and favour with man. That's the intimacy. That's, it changes your life. Mm. So we're just going to put a couple of questions up. So have you got pens and paper? We're gonna, I'm just going to give you a couple of questions, okay? And this is... This is like, let's get real, okay, with myself. It's not to show everyone. But intimacy looks like something. Relationship looks like something. It's not I just check in on a Sunday at the gathering or church service that you go to. What does it look like? So the first question is, what is my investment into growing with Jesus? I'm just going to let you... Have a think. And you can write write down. Or if you don't have enough time, you can just write the questions and answer it during the week. It's okay too. And the next question is, is do you take time to be with him? And I'm meaning the pull aside to take time with him. Not drive through Maccas, take time with him. <laughs> That's all right on the, during the day, but, you know, like you need to, there's, are you spending an actual time with him? And the next question is, is do you apply what he says? 
So that's in the written word, your Bible. Good question is, do you read it enough to know what to apply? And also, do you apply what you hear Holy Spirit telling you? Whether we realise or not, intimacy with Jesus actually requires obedience. He also took time to hear what the Father was saying. He took time to see what the Father was doing. as well as resting. How are we going? Yeah? Troy, you have such a gift of encouragement on your life. (laughs) Yes, Jen? Do you want to just... Jess has got a microphone. Thank you for putting your hand up. I love it. Um, So my question is just, could you please give an example of what you mean by the first question? Yeah. An example answer. Okay. So what is my investment into growing with Jesus? So am I reading the word? Am I studying the word? Because reading and studying are different. They're not the same thing. Are you um, are you spending time just stewarding the gifts that he's given you? Are you um, are you listening to other people and not looking just to learn information, but to get revelation? So they're the kind of things of investing. Um, into growing with him. Is that sufficient? Yeah? Cool. Okay, so when... um, So when I'm leading from intimacy then, when I'm leading from my intimacy with God, I know the Father because I've seen him in Jesus and I hear him in Holy Spirit. And so, so Jesus said... Um, you have seen the Father because you've seen me. And when I lead, I have a love for people because I have a love for him. Um, it was, a, I think, earlier this year. No, it actually might have been end of last year. I was sitting with a group of friends and someone was saying something um, and it just, it literally came out of my mouth. I've never thought it before. And it was so unfiltered that we all just stopped and went, oh my goodness. And it was, you cannot fulfill the call of God on your life if you don't love people. Your giftings, your callings, the Lord has intentionally, directly connected it to people. There's no solo. There's no 
Lone Rangers, there's none of that. Um, God, and me, God and people are not mutually exclusive. If you love him, you love people and not from a distance. It's the great commandments uh, like get in there. No, it's the great commission, sorry, it should be. <laughs> I've put commandments here, but now I'm thinking, oh, it's a commission. <laughs> Go into all the world, <laughs> preaching the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Hmm. Yeah, so we are like we're he wants us to get in the mess. He wants us to get in the mud with one another. And that's leading actually looks like that. Being not so not so removed that you can't get your hands dirty, that you can't get in the pit with someone, hug them, squeeze them, and even if you don't know the way out, you can go, but I'll stay with you while we work that out. While we follow the Holy Spirit, He'll lead us out, you know. Okay, so as a lead leader, and so I'm not talking when I'm saying leading, I'm not talking about leading a church, which I'll discuss this a bit more in a minute. I'm not talking about leading a church, okay? I'm talking about everyday life, no matter what we do, it's who we are. Um, I go and I get my heart healed. Because he loves me. I love Jesus and I love people. And I lead because I love him and I love people. I come out from hiding because I love him and I love people. And I serve because I love him and I love people. Really, at the end of the day, it's what leading is, is that it means you serve more. This is, I'm talking about healthy leadership. Okay. Mm. And intimacy costs. I can't do everything that everyone else does. And I've just had to come to terms with that, that I don't get to go to the places everyone goes to. I don't, for me, this is me personally, I don't get to watch the movies other people watch. I don't get to drink alcohol. I don't, it's a personal choice, but it's one that the Lord took me on. Um, there's lots of things I don't get to do that the, that a lot of people do do. And um, I've done that with the Lord. Like he's brought me on that journey, not me going, well, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to perform. You can't perform your way into intimacy. I think that's one of the things I love about it. <laughs> You'll be kicking and screaming and kicking up a fuss, but you cannot perform your way into intimacy. It's impossible. True intimacy, you can't. Yeah? How are we going? Yeah? Cool. All right. So now we're going to talk about the horizontal of intimacy with people. Now, when I said before about doing the vertical and the horizontal, do you? Do, we're going to do a hand-raising interactive thing very briefly. Did that register for some of you? Yeah? Yeah? Did you? Yes. <laughs> Did you feel like you were better with people than with the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. Did you did people feel that they were better with God than they are with people? No, we're all good with people. Ah, oh, must have been just me then. <laughs> oh, 
idea. Okay. Us humans are very interesting entities, aren't we? <laughs> no, it's not just me, I know. <laughs> and I don't have a problem being the only one in the room if it was. <laughs> um, all right, so intimacy with people. So each one of us, we are made in three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And so each three parts are actually designed for intimacy. And so now, you are right with that? Yeah? Cool. So spiritually, we're designed for intimacy. And so that is, um, I've had so many times, I think even at the still worship, out at um, Cajun and Janelle's, didn't know anyone in the room, didn't know the worship team I was team, you know, on worship with. But I tell you what, after a three-hour set, they're my best mates. They're my best friends because you've just travelled somewhere in the spirit together and even though you don't know a ton of, inf- like, a lot of detail about them, you feel a connection because you've just done something and you've gone somewhere together. And so it's it's in those things. It's like when you're rubbing shoulders, when you're in running in a calling together. It's um, it's when you're doing hard stuff together, as such, like for the kingdom, that there's a spiritual intimacy there that happens. Now, soul, so soul intimacy. Um, so your mind, your will, and emotions. So they're those connections of doing life together. Like being part of each other's story and part of each other's lives, the goods, the bads, the, I don't know, the roller coaster parts, you know. And so we get soul connections and or soul ties, you may have heard them called. And so you can have godly and ungodly soul ties. Yep. And then there's um, body. Like So we are designed for physical touch. Sex between a husband and a wife. You know, like there's all, like that's for an, an intimacy. And so, but we are designed for all three of those areas to be met, not just one or two, okay? Um, and I think that's just really stunning of the Lord that he would make us so intricately. Yeah, it's just really cool. All righty. So I love, I think, bringing that then into um, the great commandment. So now it is the great commandment. <laughs> In Mark twelve thirty one, it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these and so we can, I think Greg spoke a brilliant word on love uh, a few months ago. I encourage you, um, we might put the link, the link up for you in the, when we do this. Um, and he was talking about this commandment that those two are, he says that, um, I think in one of the, lang- one of the gospels it says, and the second is like it. Talking about the second one is important as the first. It's not like this is love the Lord your God is the be all and end all. And this is, oh, yeah, and we just do this over here. You know, it's just like this little thing. It's like 
it's elevated up to the same level as the first one. And so when we then see that we design spiritual, spirit, soul, and body, it's like we are, des- you can see by that that we are designed for intimacy with people. Like we know it, but it's just another, I guess, point that we, you can see in Scripture that we are. I've repeated myself here. Oh, that means we can. Yeah, I know. So I'm just thinking. Hang on. Hey, uh, mate, do you need to hear it again? Okay. All right. Let's. Yeah, actually, you might do. I love. I have a love for human people. You cannot fulfill the call of God on your life if you don't love people. God and people are not mutually exclusive. If you love Him, you will love people, and not from a distance. I take responsibility for my heart and I avail myself to getting it healed because he loves me and I love Jesus and I love people. I lead because I love him and I love people. I come out from hiding because I love him and I love people. I serve because I love him and I love people. No greater love is this than the one that laid his life down for us. And we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers. That's 1 John 3.16. So, leading in the sphere of humans um, from intimacy. So, we are all leaders in some space of our lives. Whether we're a mum, a dad, in school, at uni, in workplace. Because leaders, leadership isn't actually a position it's actually a posture. It's I am forward. I take responsibility for me. If I see a piece of rubbish on the floor, I just pick it up because I care. So it's a posture. It's um, seeing into a space of, you know, so it's my mum's birthday tomorrow. So I planned breakfast. With her, you know, like I saw something that was going to happen. I didn't wait for her to do it because, you know, no one should have to organise their own birthday anyway. But, <laughs> but like you see into a space and you create something in that space. And so whether if you're in your home, it's not leaving it to someone else to carry the weight. And I was, I was watching something the other day. Um, and they were talking about how, how in you know a home, especially with young children, is probably more noticeable. That there's the load isn't just loading the dishwasher or making dinner or doing the washing or going to work. There's actually a mental load as well, and so it's the planning the dinners for the week. It's the Okay, so I'll wa- I'll do the washing, and then while that's on, I will go do this for someone, and then I'll come back, and then I'll hang it out, and then yeah, that should be dry before. Or maybe I'll get that in after dinner. There's all this mental load of planning, and so it's even. It might not necessarily be my job, like might not. I don't mean job as in tasks that are allocated as such but it might not be on my on my responsibility list as such 
but I can help. I can help reduce mental load, not just, oh, I'll stack the dishwasher. Does it, can you see the difference between the two? Does that make sense, Jess? Not quite. So I can help reduce somebody else's load by thinking into the tasks and look at how I can help them to do that. Does that make more sense? Yeah. Yeah, into someone else's load. And it's not just the simple act of it. It's I might not cook dinner, but, hey, I might write down a menu for the week. And that just, I don't know if you're if you responsible for cooking dinners, but I'd love you if you did that. <laughs> you know, like that's a huge mental load is organising dinner on the table. So leadership is a posture. And so when you even go into work, you're looking at, or are you looking is more the question. Are you looking to see how you can add value into that? Are you thinking into that space? Are you looking for, like, oh, I'm going into work and we got morning tea break. Oh, I might stop at the bakery and get some carrot cake. <laughs> so, <laughs> Troy's going, I'm, I'm going, yeah. <laughs> but it's like you can go, it's like the posture of the heart is you're looking for opportunities and you're creative and you're, cre you know, there's a, there's a leaning forward in that, in leadership. And it can, doesn't matter whether you've got a, it doesn't rely on a position. It's actually got nothing to do with a position. It's actually just to do with a posture. Hmm. Okay, so we're gonna, I've got some more questions for you to think about. So, what is my metron? Metron means sphere of influence. So that might be your family home. That might be, you know, the you're at school, the people you are connected with. Could be work. Have you stopped to think about what your metron is? Where your where even where because you'll find in different places the sphere will be slightly different. Even you can look at it even as it's like where do I have favour? Okay, so in that metron. What are your responsibilities? Do you even know what they are? This next one might sting a little bit. Do you do the bare minimum or are you generous? And this is not talking financially. Is it about meeting your needs or the needs of others? 
And then, so, is that one on there, Greg? Oh, okay. All right, so, yeah. <laughs> is there another one more after that? Yeah, okay. The next one is, would you want to follow you? Yeah, that one can... That's a real um, litmus test, that one. Mm. They're very thought-provoking, hey? So leadership, posture of the heart, is actually about authority. And it's not an authority that lords over. It's actually an authority that serves. And authority is connected directly to submission. So even Jesus, who became the name above all names, over every government, every power, every ruler, every principality, was submissive to the Father. He was submitted to the Father. And no matter where you will be in life, there's no such thing as the top. Because the Father's the top. So it's, we all come under some form of authority. It's actually God's design that we would come under authority. There's actually healthy authority is good covering. It's protection. You can read Psalm 91. It's he who comes into the shadow of the Most High um, will abide. Sorry, he who abides in the shadow of the Most High. No trouble shall come upon you. It's further down in there. So even the centurion recognised it in Jesus in Matthew 8, verse 15, 13, when he asked Jesus to heal his servant. And even Jesus immersed himself into humanity. He didn't separate himself. So he submitted himself to our systems, our governments. Mm. He didn't separate himself. He was in the mud. I love how he demonstrated so beautifully leadership what healthy leadership looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. Healthy leading requires a greater serving and a greater humility. And that's one of the things I've um, very kindly learnt from the Lord is that the more responsibility you carry, it's greater serving, but it actually requires a greater humility. Because you want to do it well. You want to do it beautifully. You want to love and honour and serve the people that you're honoured to lead. Like it's an honour 
to lead. It really is. And so we lead like Jesus with love and kindness, who was the good shepherd. And when we're intimate with God and man, we will have favour. Just like Jesus had favour. He grew in stature and had favour with God and man. So leadership is serving. It's doing the small, unseen, seemingly unimportant things. And I find him in those places and it pleases him. I love that God is doing a move across the body about recognising, caring for our soul because your soul directly affects your ability to lead. Um, Even the way people perceive you, even when you're well-intended, when you've got stuff in your soul that isn't lovely, it impacts the way people receive you. So you can have all like great intentions in the world, but if it comes through, yuck, people perceive that. They might not know it in what you're saying, but something in them still is like, oh, get back away from me. How are we? Yeah, everyone's really quiet. <laughs> all right. Let's have some questions. You got questions for me? Okay, Jen. Um, You describe leadership as a posture. Mm -hmm. If you had to describe what this posture is, what would it be? I would say it's a leaning forward into life so it's like a I'm not so I'm gonna do it like this I'm not sitting back waiting for things to come to me I'm up I'm ready and I'm looking what what can I do what can I add what can I bring and that might be something as simple as recognizing um, the beauty in someone It can be as simple as like the candles (laughs) on a Sunday. You know, like there's just so many different ways that we can think ahead into spaces. And so for me, the posture is like it's a leaning forward. I'm looking how, what are the, the, like even preempting needs of people Um, coming, like say coming to, this is not the best example, but coming on a Sunday with a gift so a word of encouragement for someone, um, coming to add something to the conversation, like coming on, you know, like on these nights, prepared, willing, like thinking, asking questions of what, you know, even this time frame, we've got questions, you know, quest- just ask questions. So it's like this, does that make sense? Like this posture of I'm forward, I'm listening, I'm keen to hear and I'm keen to see and I'm keen to add value to it. I'm keen to get things out of it. I'm keen to give things into it. And so we come ready. We're looking. Does that help? Yeah. 
Yes, Michael. Oh, hang on, Brad's going to add something. Yeah? I think it's important because we were talking about it before in our meeting around uh, people recognising that they are leaders, and I know we've said it a lot. You are a leader because you will be impacting people around you, uh, so to recognise that. But I think leaders come and they have sight for things, so you're looking for needs that could be met. You're looking for holes that could be filled. Um, and you're, and that's that kind of leaning into a scenario. So for me, if I, when I walk into a space, I, I'll see problems and I'll think solutions and then I'll happily go and be the solution to the problem. So leaders live on the solution side. Uh, oftentimes we can get stuck on the problem side and we see the negatives. Leaders live on the solution side. Uh, so if I go into a place, I naturally look, well, that could be different. I could, and, and what can I do to be proactive to actually change that? Um, it's taking responsibility. So how can I be responsible in this place? It's coming, as Nicole said, with what can I give? And I think that's where we, we can come into our relationship with Jesus and it being all about our needs. And the reality is we acknowledge our neediness of God when we first meet him. And that's a really good place to start. But maturing love then starts to become one who says, I have something to give. So rather than me being focused on my needs, I'll come on a Sunday, I'll be at work and I'm thinking, what do I need? How can I have my needs met? I'm like, what, what do I carry? What do I have to give in this situation? Can I, can I bring a word of encouragement? Can I lend a hand physically to support? I have something to offer here. And even that flow of intimacy, when we, when we live in that space of intimacy, we're getting filled by God. And we're being filled in order to pour out. And I think, you know, when Jesus would retreat to, to spend time with the Father, it's almost like he's, he's coming to that place of he's emptying himself and then he goes to be with the Father to, to be refilled and then he comes and he pours himself out. And that was his life. And that's what our lives, as we mature in Christ to become more like him, we recognize my life is an offering to people. It's an offering on behalf of God to, to people, and that requires then that kind of flow in and out. So I think it's, yeah, to come into a space and to be a leader is to, to, it's just to get, have your eyes on and be looking around. What can I do? How can I serve? How can I give? How can I help? Uh, and, and I just, I notice it straight away in people. We're like, wow, I can see leadership on some because that person doesn't see a problem. They see a solution, and then they're happy to be the one uh, to step in. So it's good. Cool. Hey, Michael. Hello. Hi. Um, so, yeah, my question is more just like uh, looking for some advice mm -hmm. around um, you're talking about um, leaders look into situations and they, they do the thinking mm -hmm. sometimes if it's needed and yeah. they, they're creating intimate relationships with people and putting themselves out there when and but we've also been talking about healthy leaders and also the dangers of um, doing something that's good but not something for God remember we were talking about doing what we think is good but mm -hmm. not what is godly or kingdom thinking yeah what advice would you give to someone that you know say for you know for me who I am slowly becoming someone that has favour at work because mm -hmm. I am generous at work um, but I'm kind of holding back a lot because I know I'm not f fully mature yet and I do catch myself swearing or getting frustrated yeah. um, and joking in it 
inappropriate ways with the other guys in the kitchen often and you know and I ask for forgiveness later when I, when I pull myself back up but I know I'm not ready to be fully in that how far do you go before you how far should you put yourself out there without because it's just I'm in a really like transitioning time where I want to be a leader yeah. but I know that my capacity for that just probably my maturity sorry isn't fully formed yet how far do you put yourself out there like so are you meaning in your workplace specifically in life, or in just in general just in general i'm okay. using that as an example um there's this beautiful process called discipleship and it is a place where we can you know rub shoulders with people who are a bit more mature than us and i think also it's okay to be okay where you are like where you're we where you are at is appropriate for you so I would not expect a six-month-old to be running around. I, what's appropriate for a six-month-old? What's appropriate for a four-year-old? You know, like there's an, it's, we can sometimes put a lot of pressure on ourselves. But you are like, I've tracked with a bit of your journey and you are on track. And so... Just allow Holy Spirit brings a conviction. When you get with the in your like in discipleship relationships, they help rub off. You you bring those things. They disciple you. They nurture you. They strengthen you. They encourage you. And so, how far you can put yourself out there is is that you just be you. That's all. Like you 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 being you actually carries Christ in. Did you know like people? So many people in the world actually don't feel comfortable or free just to be themselves. And so when you are you and you are making mistakes, and then you are going and you're saying, "Oh man, I'm sorry," that demonstrates Christ and humility. That's huge. That's actually a lot. And so if you if you now we're talking like going into like say a leadership pathway as such, is that if leadership is a posture, you're already on the pathway. You're already on it. And I don't when are you quali- when's anyone qualified to be a leader as such? I I think when you're stewarding your life, your walk with God, you're allowing Holy Spirit's conviction to impact you and you're making decisions from those places. When you are getting, you know, fed from disciples, you you are accountable. And so you actually are already on a pathway of leadership. And so it's as you as opportunities come and you say yes to them and you step into those spaces and you grow in those spaces. I was saying, we were saying the team before, it's like sometimes we expect to grow and then get the opportunity and we're ready for it. But that's not actually how it works a lot of the time. Probably 99% of the time is we steward what we have, then the opportunity is given to us and then we grow because of the opportunity requires maybe a higher accountability, a higher learning, a higher skill set than what we had before. And so I would just really encourage you to be kind on yourself and just trust that you are doing well and you're in the right place. Just to add to that, 
none of us are ever going to represent Jesus perfectly. So we're all leading from some sort of level of immaturity. And so if we're waiting till we're fully mature, we're never going to get there. We're never going to lead. So it's recognizing where you're at and just leading from the heart. And I think if your heart's right, even if some of your mannerisms or behavior is not right, I think the heart always comes through. Yeah, the Apostle Paul talks about Jesus in Philippians 2 where, you know, he did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, made himself nothing, came in the form of a servant and essentially he humbled himself and that is the kingdom pathway. Humiliation is the pathway to exaltation. So it wasn't that Christ wasn't exalted, it wasn't that God doesn't want to raise us up, but the pathway to get there is through humility and, and that um, a healthy self-reflection to recognize where we have weakness. But I think if you look at, I mean, who Jesus chose as the future leaders of the kingdom of God uh, was certainly not those people. Mm. Um, and I think there's, it's, oftentimes people will pursue position, they want promotion, and when you have uh, immaturity and you're promoted beyond your measure of maturity, it can do damage to other people and damage to yourself. And so we, we do see that sometimes in the church. There can be this eagerness for, for platform and, and that's not a healthy place. So having that sense of maturity to say, I don't feel like I'm ready for that, but God, you know, make me ready if you want me to be in that place. But I think it's having a posture of humility and being just living in constant repentance. Um, is is the best thing, and and with people who don't know Jesus, like to be able to own and to step out and make a mistake. Um, I remember I've, I've I don't know if I just came up with this saying or I felt like God said it to me, but um, the glory of God is revealed in Christ's perfection, but the glory of God is revealed in our redemption. So it's actually that God's, the manifestation of God's glory is actually when we go from brokenness into wholeness and he starts to reveal himself. So we are on that constant journey of being redeemed by God and that's how his glory shines. Not that we have this perfect expression of God and then, oh, cool, now I'm ready. As, you know, as Greg said, now I'm ready to go out into the world because I'm going to be perfect. And everyone goes, oh, look how perfect this person is. And wow, there's such a beautiful reflection of Christ. It's it's actually in our in our mess, in our brokenness, as Christ came in, the incarnation of Christ was God, the perfect creator of the universe, came in human flesh, came in the form of a baby, came in vulnerability, you know, came in, uh, he's, he would have smelled bad at times and probably, I mean, they didn't have deodorant back then. You know, like you just imagine, we'd be dirty and, and his hair, you know, probably needed a haircut sometimes. Like all of those things, he didn't come in perfection, he, but he came in and he entered into that space. And so some of that vulnerability and, and realness and rawness and the opportunity to share with others, they're like, hey, you're a Christian, but but you swear. I thought Christians can't swear. It's like, hey, you know what? I, that, that is my desire, and, and I just, but I just know I'm on a journey with you. It actually can become a connection point and to say, hey, you're right. You're not being a hypocrite because you stumble. You're a hypocrite probably more so if you put on this veil of perfection, which too many Christians do. Hi hypocrite, the word in the Greek actually means a mask. So it's a mask that somebody wears to veil themselves as to who they really are. And again, you would not go to the other side, then we're just, oh, yeah, I'm just going to be super raw and, and busted and messed up because that doesn't, isn't helpful either. Um, but I think too many Christians will hide, they pull back from stepping forward and growing in their leadership and they're, because they're waiting for their perfection. And then they get to this time and, and they just actually learn a culture of, well, I'm never going to step out because I'm never going to be perfect enough. I look at the people around me, well, there, I would never be as good because I can never do something and it actually stunts our ability. So my encouragement is like, step out and lead 
and make mistakes, be prepared to make mistakes, be prepared to stumble and walk in humility and repentance and the Lord will work to, to grow you in that space. It's like going to the gym, it's the it's the tearing of the muscles that produces the bulk. Like it's actually the pain uh, that produces the, the increase. And so, yeah, not that I go to the gym, but yeah, <laughs> I got enough pain in my life. No, no, just... Uh, is that helpful? Oh, cool. Any more questions? Shanti? Hey. Um, you were speaking about Metron, mm -hmm. which is scope of influence and yeah. stuff. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, in the context of leadership, is Metron, like, the boundary as well? Of is it act as a boundary, like, that's where you're influence is is it meant to be built on and expanded or does that make sense like is it just that's where it is um it's not like it's locked in there for life as such it's like it moves as you grow so you might um influence a small group of people in one season and you might in the next season it might increase or you might find for you say at school as a school mum, you have, you know, a group of women that you, hi, how are you going, that you have, um, like, availability and permission, like, to speak into their lives or, you know, give them, you know, like that in that sense. But then with your work, you have a far-reaching, like, there's people located globally for you um, where you have ability to speak. And so it's kind of... It's, it changes. It's not like it's hard and fast and set. Does that make sense? I think it's, it's, it's essentially wherever you have authority and wherever you have favour is, is that space of Metron. And again, in different scenarios. So in my family, I have authority as the, the head of my household. And that is I have a sphere of influence to influence my family. If I was to look at my broader family, my cousins and my aunties and uncles, that's not necessarily a, a, a my Metron in terms of I don't have a position of influence there, but I could. And, and that would come through favour. So it's, you know, and or grace is the same it's the word charis so even as jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with god and man which is crazy to think that jesus grew in favor with god and with man or grew in grace in that space but that's what he did and he came to this place now where all of a sudden jesus has this favor Five thousand people in a crowd hanging around to hear his word that becomes his his metron this this sphere of influence did he have the ear of of kings and and rulers well, well no he was this obscure kind of random guy wandering around the countryside um, but he knew w what his sphere of influence was or what his metron was and so in different places you'll have a different kind of metron uh, you, if you're if you're the bottom rung of of an as an employer of a multinational company, your sphere of influence might be quite small. Your metron might be the couple of other tradesmen that you work with. Uh, if you're the CEO, cool, massive uh, metron to impact the culture of that company with the values of the kingdom. So it's just recognizing, well, I can't act like the CEO if I'm 
you know, on the on the bottom tier. So I, then I behave or behave differently. But can I grow in favor? If God's like, no, but I want you to have influence, well, then I'm going to trust you that you're going to expand those opportunities. And you might give me the ear of the CEO. You might create these opportunities to... to the, I heard a story, you know, the other day of... Um, someone, yeah, Greg was sharing of you know someone in their workplace, and all of a sudden they had this opportunity to to have a conversation with their boss, and then the boss, you know, starts asking them more questions, you know, and they had this opportunity to share wisdom, and that's, oh, you know, again, it can it can change and uh, and expand in that way. So, yeah, awesome. Well, we are going to have a two minute break, and then for our greenhouse students, we'll have our uh, mentoring group times. And if you're not part of Greenhouse, we bless you. And, uh, yeah, you're welcome. I'm, I'm here. I'll be at the back if you do have any questions about anything that uh, Nicole shared. Uh, but if not, the rest of you find your groups. Yeah, great word. Awesome.